Just breathe, breathe. The way of water connects all things. Before your birth. And after your death. Five, four, three, two. seen the movie Avatar yet. Amazing. It's the first movie in a really, really long time that helps me explain to others kind of how I feel about water. And, and right now I'm going through a really, really, I, what could be a turbulent time. And I think if it wasn't for having mindfulness and being centered in life, it would be so much worse. As a matter of fact, at one time, it was way worse. Man, I used to get really jacked up when I was looking at potential career changes. And I can't go into details. There's a lot of stuff going on with where I have my full-time employment at. And it just, it means that there are gonna be some things that are different in my lifestyle, in my, uh, in my work relationships, and no matter how this thing comes through, things will be different. And I think that for the most part, out of a 24-hour day, I think about 80% of the time, I'm pretty good with it. And I think it's because of that relationship that I have built with water. As I was getting ready to do my trip out to Belmont Springs. Well, let me rephrase that. I'm talking in the past tense. As I've been getting ready for my trip out to Belmont Springs, I was thinking back to another dive that Ben had led. Now, Ben is going to be the instructor at the uh, at, at at Belmont Springs, where I'm going to be learning dual side mount. Hey, by the way, I know I didn't introduce myself. This is Rob. I'm the host of One Dive at a Time, where our mission is healing heroes one dive at a time. For more information, you can go out to www.scubarob.com. You can also go out to aquaticawakening.com. Right now, those two websites are together. And then I also post up updates on Neptune Warrior. I'm also the founder and the director of Neptune Warrior. So, I don't think last podcast I, I introduced myself. And as a good host, you should always do that. I probably need a cue card. But I don't do this thing off scripts. I just kind of roll with this as, as I go. I might write up a blog. I might look at the blog just for reference and then and then go for go for it from there. I guess that's I guess that's how you know it's original content. Anyway, I'm digressing again. That's happened quite a few times today. But as I've been going through this turbulent times, it reminded me of a dive that Ben led. I think it was actually two years ago that I did this. And it was an opportunity to go see salmon up at Ryrie Reservoir. Now, Ryrie Reservoir, well, that's hard to say. Ryrie Reservoir. Say that five times. Ryrie Reservoir, Ryrie... No, I can't do it. Anyway, maybe I should do that as a warm-up for the podcast. All right, so anyway, I'm out. <laughs> I cracked myself up this morning. I'm out at Ryrie Reservoir, and we had done a night dive to go check out salmon, and I didn't see a single salmon out there at night. But it was a really cool place to dive. You know, a lot of rock formations, a lot of crawdads, I love looking for crawdads. I also love collecting crawdads and cooking crawdads. But 
and that's just the, the, the Texan in me. But I got up early the next morning and got in the water. And I, and I had the opportunity to see a few salmon. I got I captured a couple on GoPro. I need to dig those up. I have no idea what happened to those videos. But was able to go out and find a couple salmon. And I remember that there was one specific, pretty good size, pretty good size salmon. And he was swimming along. He or she was swimming along, really slow, really sluggish, easy to keep up with. A couple times, it actually kind of collapsed itself down into the weed bed. And I thought, you know, I, I, I picked it up just to, to see if, you know, see if it was dead at that point. It would swim off and I'd follow it a little bit longer. And it's at a point where it's fulfilled its destiny in, li its destiny in life. It's fulfilled its mission. You know, in a few weeks after that, knowing that the work it had done to come upstream so it could procreate, there'll be a few more weeks that its work would blossom, would go back down the reservoir, would go back down river, go back out to the ocean, and it would start all over again. That is so much like our own lives. We struggle. We have times where we thrive. We have times where we fail. There's a few moments that we can duck out of the current, not fight our way upstream, grab a quick meal, and to continue that fight back upstream. And it's just as natural for salmon to swim upstream as it is for us to continue to challenge ourselves and sometimes maybe even challenge ourselves in the wrong areas. Hopefully you are pushing the times that you're going upstream. It is the times that you need to be going upstream and you're going upstream for the right reasons. I think we all have a special relationship with water. If you're a diver listening to this podcast, whether you dive in oceans, lakes, if you're one of my divers that just sticks it out in a pool. We all have this special relationship with water. You know, there, there's days that I will drive by a body of water and I just look at it. And I can remember being a young kid and always looking in the water. My mom used to drop me off at Marine Creek Park, or I'm sorry, Marine Creek Lake. It's now a park, but Marine Creek Lake which is right next to Tarrant County Junior College in Fort Worth, Texas. And as she was going out to go shopping, she would drop me off there, and I'd work my way, not quite all the way around the lake, but about halfway around the lake, and then there came a time where I had to come back. Now, this is before cell phones and all like that. My mom was so patient because if she got done early, she would just sit up in the parking lot and just wait for me. And I think she understood that addiction that I had to water. Obviously, I love catching fish. Man, I could, I could hammer bass out there all day long, but it was just that being on the water. And there's other places in my life where I've gone down just to look at the water, right? You know, you've got a stream, you've got an ocean. And what happens is that not only do we look at the water, the surface of the water, we soon find ourselves looking into the water. And then at some point, we can't resist the temptation. We wade out into the water. And then we swim. 
And man, just the relationship of swimming, the fact that you can use your body, you can use your arms and your legs to propel you through this mass is incredible. I still, and this is something I did as a kid, but I still go out and try to swim as powerful as I can without making a lot of ripples or wakes or splashing. There's just something about that experience. But we all go down. We look at the surface of the water. We look into the water. Then we swim. And for a lot of us, we love to submerge. Each stroke, each fin kick, it all has purpose. It all has thought. When I'm out in the water now, Lucky Peak, as I enter the water, I will try to get as far offshore as I can so that my fin kicks don't disturb the bass nest or doesn't disrupt visibility. And when you do that, it's that quiet strength of moving through the water that begins to make you part of that water. When you're not trying to disturb the aquatic life, when you're not trying to disturb sediment. When I do my early morning dives up at Lucky Peak or Quinn's Pond or any place that I happen to be, I love, when I do dive travel, I love getting up on my own, going out to the water and going for a dive. Because it's those moments that you begin to get into be and to be in flow, right? You know, at, at first it's recreational. At first it's survival. If you look at swimming itself, swimming was a martial art. In fact, in the samurai culture, not only was there archery, was not only was there horsemanship, not only was there sword fighting, swimming, the ability to swim with like, I don't know, 40, 50, 60 pounds of gear, how much ever that, that you know, leather and metal, how much ever that weighs. But samurai had their own methodology of swimming. So they wouldn't get tangled up in seaweed or, a, you know, any type of vegetation that was growing up. So they wouldn't alert the enemy. And just like with any other martial art, there's a flow that goes with that, whether it's jujitsu or karate, whatever it happens to be, right? There's this flow. So it goes from being martial to recreational, maybe even survival. You know, you fall out of a boat. You have to swim. At some point, it's beyond all of that. It's beyond being recreational. It's beyond being something you, you use to infiltrate into your enemy's territory. It's something other that you do, you know, you don't, you're not doing it for safety. It becomes part of flow. You be, actually become part of the water. For me, flow is that experience. It's, it's when you're becoming completely immersed. It's, it's, like, it's like when I play drums. As you may or may not know, I played drums for years. And I, I haven't played in, in years, but I still find myself tapping on tables. But I can remember doing drum solos, learning drum solos, right? You had to learn how a solo went. You know, if you were going to try to copy, I could never copy Neil Peart. I would try. I could get a couple of licks, but I could never string the whole thing together. But what happens, especially in jazz music or when you're just jamming with your bandmates, 
you've got like this mythology, you know, this methodical method that you use. And when you first start out, you are just bashing on the drums. You're barely hitting the notes. And, and sometimes you're hitting too hard. Sometimes you're hitting too soft. But at some point, it becomes very rhythmic. And each note is precise. It has a purpose. You plan that impact. When you move into flow, it's automatic. And in improv, when you're doing improv jazz, I have, I've been so into flow on improv jazz that I look back and I, and I listen to the recording. I'm like, wow, I played that? Dean, I know that you listen to this podcast a lot, so you know what I'm talking about. You know what it's like to be in that flow. And, and you watch guitarists do it. I mean, I think, I think electric guitarists are amazing at finding flow. Because there's precise notes that you have to hit, you've got a certain rhythm, but then suddenly there's this piece that just takes over. That's how I want my diving to be. That's how I want my relation in water to be. There's, I've had times, in fact, I, what comes to mind immediately is being up at, or being down at Blue Lake and hanging out with the springs. And at some point, I completely forget I'm a scuba diver. I forget about where my fins need to be. I forget about you know making sure that my hands are, are tucked away so I'm not stirring up sediment. I don't have to worry about bumping into other divers. At some point, I am part of that environment. I'm organic to that environment. And there is no better feeling than feeling like you are part of something that is much larger than yourself. Uh, in one of the podcasts where I talk about fear and, and being ready to fight off what I thought was going to be a shark, but it's actually tuna. But the moments before that, when I was, I was in flow, hanging out with the amberjacks, just going back and forth, I was no threat to them. They didn't perceive me as a threat. I was part of their little amberjack party. And that feels so good. That's, that's that part where you, you're no longer separate from the environment. You're not trying to conquer. You're not trying to overcome. You're not trying to just survive. You're actually part of that environment. A skill that we use a lot of times in rescue is swimming with your hands and feet tied. This mimics what is done in military dive schools. Now, what we do for safety purposes is that you actually cross your ankles and then you hold onto a piece of PVC pipe. And, and, it's, and that's behind you. And man, it freaks out the lifeguards anytime I do this. Whether I'm doing it for myself or I'm doing it with a class, they are kind of on edge when we're doing this. And for someone new doing it, it can look really erratic and they're splashing or trying to keep their head above water and they feel like that they're going to drown. What I have found, though, is it can actually become part of meditation. I mean, fish, fish and eels, they don't need hands and feet to propel themselves. And that's the key point. When you're doing this exercise, you've got to get away from needing to be from point A to point B. Now, in the rescue class, you do have to get from point A to point B. You've got to go across the pool and back. But when you're doing it to become one with water, you no longer worry about having to be a place at a place. And people get really freaked out, by the way, when I do this at Lucky Peak or I do it at Quinn's. But the moment that I realized it wasn't about propulsion, and it wasn't about going from here to there, 
it was all about being in the water and using the water and leveraging the water and working with the water. What has happened over the past few years and really, really the past year, the area where I've grown the most is learning that my dives are less about purpose. There was a point in time where I had to be from point A to point B and then execute something once I got to point B. There was a day that I would, like when I was working at Ocarina Springs, I would have to go down and we'd have to, to clear hydrilla or we'd have to remove algae from a window or we'd have to turn, literally turn rocks over in the, uh, the, 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 uh, the riverbed. So that from glass bottom boats, it looks like it's, it's much deeper. There's been days where I take students out or I guide clients or whatever, right? It was always about purpose. And what I'm finding now is it's less about purpose. It's more about finding that flow. And my diving, enjoyment of diving has grown immensely. I hear so many instructors and, and dive masters that get burned out because all they're doing is they're running students back to back, right? Got a class this week, got a class this week, got a class this week. Now we're going down to Blue Lake. Now we're going out to Lucky Pete. Now we're going out on this dive boat, right? And all they do is run classes back to back to back to back and they forget the whole reason you got into this was that there was a day that you dropped underwater and for the first time you were breathing compressed air and blowing bubbles. And you thought, man, this is the coolest thing I've ever done in my life. And when you forget about doing that, you forget about showing others how cool it is and what it's like. You have to be empathetic as an instructor and as a dive master and even as a seasoned diver, what it's like for that diver for those first few experiences the first time they see an eel or the first time they see a, a, a crawdad. You know, you think about the areas that I dive in, right? Oh my gosh, what you see is just mud and rocks down there. Oh, I saw this crawdad. And it's like, the, it's, it's almost comparable to the first time someone sees a giant Pacific octopus or the first time someone sees a coral reef. You have to put yourself back into that. You gotta find that flow. And the way you find the flow is that you realize that water has several parts to it. Two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen, and a whole lot of mystery and magic that goes along with it. My growth has gone beyond learning a new skill set. Now granted, this weekend I'm learning a new skill set. I'm going down to learn about, about dual side mount. Okay, that keeps my brain active. It gives me a chance to see a new place, it gives me a chance to to work with other instructors. John and I have not taken a trip to hang out in a really, really long time, so I'm looking forward to that. But my growth is more about searching for those moments, even when they're micro moments, where water myself no longer exists in separate entities. And it's learning how to safely let go, how to safely relinquish those control mechanisms that I have when I'm in the water and let my dive take me down an uncertain path. And I understand about dive your plan, plan your dive. I'm not talking about going outside the safety spectrum. But man, the ability to jump into Blue Lake 
Well, first of all, the ability to leave Boise, Idaho, drive five hours down to Blue Lake, jump in, do one, maybe two dives, and then come back. My girlfriend thinks that that is absolutely insane. And I get that she doesn't get that, and that is okay. Because her relationship with water and my relationship with water are different. But man, if I can drive five hours to go down and find 45 minutes to an hour and a half of something that is that brings me to a totally different state. And I don't like using words like nirvana, but I'm going to use the word nirvana in this point, okay? But it brings me to that state where I feel like I'm absolutely part of something that's much larger than I am. It's one of the few places in the world when I'm underwater, whether it's a pool or Blue Lake or anything else like that, man, I don't get phone calls. I don't get texts. I don't get emails. Nobody can get a hold of me. That's my safe place. That's my sanctuary. I love going out to Blue Lake and coming off the dock and having no particular place to go. Just kind of wander around. I'm not looking for stuff. I'm not trying to find a specific spring. Just kind of going. Getting to that mindset of just letting go of all the stuff I have to control and now I let the water take control and guide me and I really feel, you know, some of you are going to think I'm off my rocker, but I really feel that when I'm in the water, the water guides me to what it wants me where it wants me to be, where it wants me to see. I'm doing some studies with the Aquatic Exercise Association right now to get certified. And one of the, and I never knew this before. I think I knew it, but I didn't know it. But seeing the scientific data on it, it's been kind of cool. But man, when you get in water, your blood pressure drops, your temperature drops. Your heart rate actually drops once you get that state of calm. Being swallowed in water is comforting for us. Body temperature drops. Blood pressure drops. Right now, I'm, I've, when I went to the dentist the other day, my blood pressure was skyrocketing. So I can use, I can use some blood pressure dropping in my life right now. Water encourages our respect. Water encourages our reverence. The Romans and the Greeks, they had gods, they had deities that were dedicated to water, Neptune, Poseidon. My diving is, it's an elixir, it's a tonic. And when I say tonic, I mean by the definition that it's restorative, it's, it's stimulating. It reinvigorates me. Two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen, and the rest is made up of mystery, of magic, and spirituality. We find ourselves looking into it. We find ourselves waiting. We find ourselves swimming. And for most of us here, we eventually find ourselves 
donning equipment and diving into it. Remember, as long as you've got air, you're all right. <laughs>